Hey friends, welcome to the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast. A podcast that's not about growing marijuana or gardening, but is about living in radical faith and full submission to God. I'm sure glad you're here. The Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast is hosted by me, Connie Lawson, and airs Mondays and Fridays on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to check me out on social media, both Instagram and Facebook at Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things. You can also go to our website at blog.weedseedsandbeautifulthings.com to leave your prayer requests or a comment and to read our blog whenever I write one, which is not very frequently because speaking is my jam, not writing. Anyway, I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this show started. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Connie, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm just picking up right back in Ruth where I left off. I'm in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to go ahead and read that again. In the days of the judges, when they ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The names of one, the name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Chilion died. So the woman was left without her two sons or her husband. So we've been talking in the last two episodes about the cross. And so now picking up your cross and, and not avoiding it, not running away from it, staying within the will of God, even in suffering and weakness. And learning how to pick out when we're weak, to notice it, to see it so that we can deal with it. Today I want to talk to you about my view of Naomi in the past versus my view of Naomi reading this chapter and having spent some more time um, prayerfully studying it. So I always viewed Naomi as a victim. You know, somebody that was just dealt a really bad hand of cards. You know, she lost everything, blah, blah, blah. And while some of that is true, she did lose a lot. What I see from her husband, and it doesn't say that Naomi had, again, any say in the decision to sojourn in Moab. But here's an interesting thing. She did choose to stay in Moab. so. Even if, let's say, Naomi didn't want to go to Moab with her husband when he said, well, we're going to Moab to escape the famine. And she, you know, she knew it was wrong, whatever. When she went with her husband and he died, she never left. And so to me, that goes back and it speaks to different things. But one thing that it speaks to is in the first episode, I was talking about how Elimelech's decision to remove his entire family from the protection of 
the faithfulness of God and the will of God. And I'm not saying that God somehow wasn't faithful, but I am saying that when we rebel and we go outside of his will, we have kind of voided the protection and the intimacy for that time when we are in active rebellion. And that does taint the lines of communication and it taints the plans of God in our life. It taints our ability to hear him and commune with him when there is active sin in our life. So absolutely, it makes a great deal of difference when we are suffering inside the will of God and when we are suffering outside the will of God, because the consequences for each of those things are drastically different. When we are suffering inside the will of God, we can be assured that it will work for our good. When we are suffering outside of the will of God, we can be sure that that will result in judgment. So when Elimelech took his family outside of the security of the faithfulness of God and the teachings of God and the nation of God, and he went to this wicked place, and then when he died, it's either one of two things. Either to begin with, Naomi had no problem going into this wicked country that worshiped idols or she was tainted and over time grew a callous in her heart towards what she should be doing due to her husband's decision. So either place puts her still choosing to not go back to where she knows she should be. It says that they stayed there 10 more years before her sons died. Now, another interesting fact is the Ephratites from Bethlehem are in the lineage of Christ. We will see that as the story unfolds. Then another interesting fact is her, as Naomi's sons were named Malon and Chilion. Now, their names mean sickness is what Malon, Malon means. And Chilion means weakness. And so a lot of commentators believe that when these boys were born, that they were very sick infants and they probably weren't expected to survive. But it's also important to note that in Bible times, names that were given had divine supernatural power. So you will see a lot of names line up with destinies. You will see a lot of names line up with who children grew up to be character-wise, such as Jacob meant deceiver. And you look at Jacob and who he was growing up. And even after the Lord changed his name to Israel and blessed him, you still see that his carnal struggle, his continual carnal struggle was with being manipulative and deceptive. So names held and hold power with God. And so these sons, a lot of commentators and, um, you know, very great Bible teachers think that Naomi was naming them because they were sickly at birth, but that without knowing it, she was actually determining or naming them as to 
ultimately their destiny, which was to die. And I get that that may be kind of a hard thing to swallow, but I would just go back to this truth to encourage you. Anything that God has done for us is more than we deserve. So we should never get upset when we struggle in this life or we face hardships or trials because in the garden, we chose to sin. Yes, it was Adam and it wasn't you or me, but I know that if it was you or I that was in the garden, we would have chosen the same thing. And based on our choice to sin and our choice to turn away, sin was ushered in. Sin is not God's design. Sin was man's choice. And God has dealt so graciously and mercifully with us. And so whenever we're tempted to feel like he's a mean God because of things, bad things that happen, it does us good to remember and to anchor our souls to the truth that God didn't choose sin for us. We chose sin. And in spite of that, and despite that, God has made a way and ultimately and eternally will rule over that and it won't be an issue anymore. So Naomi's naming of her sons is kind of, it's, it's agreed upon in a large group of teachers and Bible studiers that she was divinely proclaiming their destiny, which would be to die in judgment in the land of Moab due to this sin, this sin that was started by the father. And then when he died, they didn't leave. They didn't go back and ultimately fell onto the children. Another thing that happened that is again, just showing this level of, we think that if we're strong in the Lord, that we can go out and be a part of bad situations or um, things that kind of slide over onto the verge of not being godly anymore, that we can toy around is a good term that, you know, if we, if we're strong in the Lord, then it doesn't matter if we watch nudity in a movie because, you know, we're not, we're not impacted by that or, or, you know, it's okay if we listen to music that's secular and has a, a really bad, you know, theme through the song because we're not affected by that. It just has a good beat. We're just having a good time or, you know, we know Jesus and we know we spend time in the word. So it's okay to go gamble or it's okay to, you know, have four or five beers on the weekend, or it's okay to read books with perverse sex scenes because we can handle it. You know, we've got the back, you know, the backing and we're, we're good in our faith. We're strong in our faith. Well, this shows you that that line of thinking is foolish and that it gets you into trouble. And it shows you based on looking at Elimelech's decision, his decision to go outside of the will of God, his decision to fall into temptation and go to a land because there was a famine. Well, it made sense. Well, let me go to a land where there's lots of food, where there's no shortage. Sure. Let me just pick the most evil, wicked land I can to do that in. 
because I need food. You don't think God was able to provide food another way that didn't involve going into a godless country that was immersed in sexual sin and idolatry? Of course he could. He's the God overall. But how many times do we believe these lies that in the name of need or want, we can withstand sinful temptation only to experience our downfall and then get mad because we are being punished or we are in judgment for a sinful choice we made based out of silly, folly, foolish logic. So, no, we can't. We can't do that. We can't say, because I'm strong in the faith, it's okay for me to actively engage or to participate in sin. Because I'll be able to withstand it. Because we can't withstand it. And every step that we take away from the truth of God is a step that works to nail our eyes shut, our spiritual eyes. And we get blinder and blinder and blinder. And just the opposite happens when we walk with the Lord. When we walk with the Lord, we can see more and we can see more and we can see more. And by see more, I mean when when he gives us light and we use the light he's given us, he gives us more light. If he gives us light and we don't use it, he's not going to keep giving us light. But light builds on light and darkness builds on darkness. And each building block, each stone we lay is the foundation for where we're headed. And the good thing about God, the amazing thing about God, which we will read in this book of Ruth, is that even when we choose to do the wrong thing and we live in sin or rebellion, that God still pursues us and that he is still the God over everything. And he can smash down our foundation that's built on darkness and he can bring us back into the light. And that is what the heart of God loves to do. And so I want to encourage you, if you are feeling convicted or you're feeling like you just are too terrible and you've committed too many sins or you're living in too much darkness that God couldn't possibly forgive you or want you to come back or make a way. Those are lies from the pits of hell. He most certainly can. And he most certainly does want you back. All you need to do is repent. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him to forgive you and ask him to give you new sight and some fresh light. And my friend, that is what he will do. He never turns away a willing heart. Never. And it says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only does he forgive us and the sin is still there. No, he forgives us and he takes the sin and he gets rid of it. He makes us fresh and clean and new. 
be encouraged. God is for you. And if God is for you, as it says in scripture, who can be against you? I hope that you'll share this podcast with your family and friends. I'm so thankful for my audience. I hope you have a great week. Follow me on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things. Let me know if you have a prayer request, an idea for the show, or know of a good guest. Drop me a comment. I love the encouragement. I read everyone. I'll see you next time.